0: Hey, welcome to the MOD Report. This is the show where we talk all things HR and the crazy things we go through in the hospitality industry. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Giffen, and today I discuss leadership's role in hiring and retaining great people through trust. Lastly, we'll dive into the final segment of the MOD report. I don't want to give too much away, but it involves a hotel, a gun, and an FBI agent. Trust and hiring extends all the way up the workplace ladder. Before we can hire the right employees and the right managers, we must have the right leadership. In a recent Gallup survey, researchers found that businesses fail to make good leadership hiring decisions 82% of the time. That means that when leaders are hiring people, they are incorrect 82% of the time managers are super important, yet we have poor leadership. The people that are choosing the leaders are not trusting in what is needed. And because of this, Gallup found not even one in five, 18% of current managers are demonstrating high level talent and an aptitude for that role. Why is this? Well, I suspect that the first reason, you know, is this great spinning of cosmos, that there simply aren't that many people with the true business acumen to lead. In every group of 10 people, only one is a great leader. Let me say that again. In a group of 10 people, only one out of 10 is a great leader. So the people who hire the leaders have slim pickings in the applicant pool. But then, frustratingly, they squander around for what opportunities to grasp based on the talent pool they currently have. Traditionally, becoming a manager was considered uh, receiving like a promotion, Moving along the natural progression of things, being awarded a prize for having done previous jobs well. The selection process does not consider if a manager candidate can build and maintain a strong team. Make use of each team member's strengths and address or support each employee's needs and doing so boldly. Boldly Review team members' efforts. That means successfully communicating feedback and implementing improvement plans. You need to be able to rally disparate people around a common purpose and execute efficient processes, all while handling the day to day paperwork. Communication and reports and everything else that managers do. But instead, what does the selection process say? It says, hey, hey, candidate, nice work as a food server. As a reward, you get to manage the dining hall. You know, that said, when Google studied what makes excellent managers, they listed among their top 10 that managers have the on-the-ground experience to advise teams still on the front lines doing the work. Been there, done that. That's that's important experience for a great manager, but it cannot be the only experience. And I hate to say it to my food and beverage friends, this is a crisis in the food and beverage industry, particularly in restaurants, where a restaurant tour becomes a manager or an executive chef by simply putting in the time at the organization, the been there, done that mentality, and yet they have zero, zero experience handling people, the leadership skills in which are lacking. There are three types of managers the good, great, and best. I I put them in three categories. The good, great, and best managers do not come into being because they are promoted into those positions. Rather, good managers choose. Good managers choose after conscientiously and thoughtful deliberation create positive workplace environments. They do it deliberately. That's what a good manager does. A great manager gets to know each of their employees as individuals to determine where their unique skill sets fits into the collective goal, which the managers are also driving. And they communicate effectively what the puzzle looks like. The best managers do all of those things that good and great managers do. Plus, they insert themselves as servant leaders into the picture. And these folks will ask, how can I help my staff grow? This this isn't an altruistic question, folks. The better an employee fits into the workplace, the stronger their work will be. The more an employee believes that their manager genuinely wants to improve, the more they will look for ways to grow, speak up for help, and stretch their abilities. The best managers are, as Google discovered when they studied managerial excellence, they are good coaches. The best managers help their employees become better versions of themselves and facilitating, not fixing problems. They ask questions, perhaps as much as or even more than they make declarations. Likewise, poor managers also need training, not only to become good, great, and then the best of managers, but to understand that they aren't performing well. A lack of self-realization is often the biggest first roadblock to a manager improving. And that's understandable. I mean, we've been taught that problems lie with employees. The employees should do better. The employees should follow their leader, no matter how their leader behaves. If an employee gets yelled at, well, they deserved it. If their manager keeps dumping more work on them, they should toughen up and get through it. I've been there. I've done that. They have to now do it. And you know what? They'll come out stronger because of it. (laughs) But what if managers could ask themselves if they were doing their best for their employees? That's why I laugh because I don't think we do that. I, I don't think... In business schools, we are really teaching that soft skill of what that really means to develop people to be their best. Rather, we're so focused on financial statements, profit and loss statements, executing all these different financial equations to ensure that our businesses are making money and how do I do XYZ marketing and, you know, and, and maintain a, a, a strong shareholder base. All that is a core, that's all important, of course. But you know what? None of that, none of that is going to be relevant if you don't have people willing and wanting to work at your organizations. That all goes out the door. And my friends, come 2030, and 10 years, it has been predicted that we will, in fact, we are seeing it today, we will have a labor shortage in the United States of America. We will not have enough workers to fill the positions in which you are creating at your organizations. And with the hospitality industry being the number one for-profit employer, second to government, is in terms of size of employees needed to fill positions, we don't have enough. So what are you going to do to retain such talent? We need to develop and coach our people every single day. What does the power of freedom in the workplace look like? You know, once a manager is in position, one of the biggest ways to show trust is to leave employees to their own devices. Micromanagement and overmanagement will make employees feel like they are not trusted which is going to create a culture of secrecy. In fact, in a recent survey, a recent survey has found that being micromanaged was the number one reason. In fact, 35% of employees stated that the reason why they left is because they were being micromanaged. Among all employees, including those who stayed in their jobs, micromanagers are the worst managers. And yet we still employ them. That's a little HR secret. We still employ them. They still collect a paycheck. They still collect a paycheck at the sacrifice of their people. Micromanagement and the failure to effectively delegate work is often the manifestation of insecurity which stems from fear that they are not worthy for their position. If they were promoted into that position as a mere reward for a job well done in a lower position, they may have reason to feel that way. But even if they were all worthy leaders, they may suffer from insecurity based in the need to control everything around them. How do we get the micromanager out and away from controlling everything around them? Start by role-playing. Role-playing can help managers not only recognize that what they do harms their teams, but let them practice taking a different tact and seeing success stem from that. The thing to keep in mind about freedom is that it's a two-way street, meaning managers and employees must both be willing to embrace this concept. Management should provide details about various company operations, such as hirings, finances, and more. And employees should be willing to express any difficulties or concerns that they may have. This can foster an extremely positive environment and the relationship will continue to build between management and employee. Let's talk about trust, the the other side of the coin here. You know, as as an HR strategist and advisor, one of the most cringing statements I hear from mid-level management is, "We're, we're experiencing a crisis in leadership. Okay, if you're experiencing a crisis in leadership, This is a great time to talk about the other side of trust, the employee's trust in their managers. Do the employees trust in their managers? After all, making sure that happens is also part of managers' duties. If employees do not trust their leadership, then everything around them is going to crumble. Distrust may stem from managers showing disrespect for employees in lesser positions, breaking promises, having unrealistic expectations for their teams, playing favorites among employees, and gossiping about employees to other members of the team. We talked about this in prior podcasts in some of my rants about abusive management. In a massive annual global survey in 2013 on trust, Edelman PR found that there was a staggering 82% of people reported not trusting their bosses to tell the truth. 82% of people reported that, they, that their bosses didn't tell the truth. That's pretty bleak, isn't it? Six years later, in 2019, the same survey was administered, but this time, 75% of people trust their employers to do what is right. 75% of people trust that their employer will do what is right. Talk about a swinging pendulum. Employees trust in their workplace leadership more than they do the media. So why the shift? What happened? Well, in 2013, a discussion around the survey seemed to be very much within a bubble. In a Forbes article um, back in 2013, author Ty Kissel talked about bosses not putting into action what they said. This is what Ty said. He said, quote, business schools seem to do a great job of teaching people how to be managers but they do a lousy job of teaching people how to lead and inspire people. He continues on, I'm convinced that the biggest challenge faced by most business leaders today is fostering an environment where their people are engaged, enabled, and energized. End quote. By 2019, it wasn't clear that workplace leadership had changed. But the greater society sure seemed to have noticed it. I obviously have noticed it. One in five of all people did not think that the system was working for them. Nearly half of the mass population versus the informed public believed that the system was failing them. They sought out more news, but worried more about fake news. And within that cyclone of distrust, the workplace becomes like the calm within the storm. In fact, 71% of employees believe it is critically important for the head of their organization to lead change. Specifically, they do not trust the government to do so, but leadership of a powerful enough organization. Could lead the way. But here's a key finding to remember. Employees want to trust their employers, but that trust must be earned through more than business as usual. Employees want an organizational culture of social action, personal empowerment, and job opportunities. And employers who can meet those expectations will build trust with their people. Employees who trust their employer will advocate for the organization. They're going to be more engaged. They're going to be more loyal and committed to the organization. One problem is that according to some research, we aren't at that place yet. We're not there. It's 2020 and we're not there. Gallup's recent studies claims that only 23% of United States employees agree that they can apply their organization's values to their work every day. That's just slightly more, 27% believe in those values. My guess is that those organizations don't have clear or good core values. And they're likely not communicating it to their people. I have an article that I wrote dedicated to building core values. It's a very basic, high-level, 30,000-foot overview on building core values. And you can find it on the website, inospire.com. Neglectful or absentee managers cause some of the most distrust among their staff the opposite of micromanagers who can be accused of smothering their staff these managers undermanage sometimes they'll even overtly ignore their teams completely they they enjoy the benefits of being part of the upper level team without doing the hard work of adding value to the organization Other times, they seemingly acknowledge their staff. They'll send follow-up emails. They'll tell them, good job, as they pass them in the hallway. But in reality, that's not offering genuine or concrete support or feedback to that employee. The, The superficial connections don't ring true to any of us out there. And yet, we're doing it. Why? Why? Absentee managers tend to do to their teams exactly what was done to them. Put them in a position of power without support. And many of those managers receive their leadership role as a promotion, even though they weren't ready for the work. Been there, done that. Let's promote him. He's a nice guy. Let's promote him. They tell their teams to, to take it away and themselves retreat to spend their days flying under the radar and collecting a paycheck when it is not deserved. Research has shown that this style of management has a negative effect on employee satisfaction for at least 2 years. It impacts your culture that much folks. Part of this is because absent managers they don't catch problems bubbling under the surface. They can't catch them because they're not present enough to notice them. So when work fires occur, they're going to eventually erupt like a volcano and they're going to be unexpected and a lot of people are going to get hurt, including your bottom line. They require full attention, leaving little time for personalized management of individual team members, and this creates a vicious cycle of undermanagement. Being ignored hurts more than being yelled at or micromanaged. In fact, most complaints about leaders are about neglectful managers. Interestingly, in a 2002 um, study, Google tried to prove that managers don't matter. The, The company called this Project Oxygen. So in 2002, when Google set out to prove that managers aren't needed, they don't matter, Project Oxygen removed the managerial level to test this out. And they found their teams were quickly, and I mean as in within a couple of months, marooned without guidance. So they rephrased the question under study. If managers were required, then Google wanted the best. And what made the best? What Google experimented with wasn't exactly the installation of neglectful managers, the, the the purposeful erasure of hierarchy isn't the same as absent managers. But there's still something of interest for us here. Laszlo Bach, who was Google's vice president of people operations during Project Oxygen, reported that after Google started training its own managers in best practices for leading, the company itself had determined 75% of the company's worst performing managers had demonstrated a statistically significant improvement in manager quality. So, if you're a company executive on the leadership team, do you have the right leaders in play? Remember, one in 10 on average are considered great leaders. Are you hiring the right manager and grooming them to be leaders. If you're a manager, are you grooming your line-level employees to one day take your job? Are you training them, mentoring them, coaching, and developing them? Are you being bold with them? One final question for all of you. All of you. I don't care what position in the organization you hold. Do you have the courage to do what's right for your people? Do you have the courage? Or as Brene Brown discusses in her latest book, Dare to Lead, do you have the courage to be vulnerable with your people? To remove the armor and truly be bold and vulnerable with those you lead? Be brave, my friends. Be vulnerable. Accept courage over comfort. All right, it's time for the MOD Report, the segment where we tell you about a crazy experience you've been through at your work location. All right, so pretend you're a housekeeper. You go into a guest room, and you find a Glock 22 handgun sitting there. What's your reaction? Because I know, like for me and most people, a plethora of chemicals is probably going to shoot throughout your body and adrenaline is going to start kicking into overdrive, right? So this housekeeper, in this real story, was trained well enough to contact her supervisor when she found this Glock 22 handgun in a guest room when she walked into the room to clean it. Ironically, shortly after contacting the supervisor a phone call comes through to the PBX operator and the gentleman identifies himself as an FBI agent who just checked out of the guest room several minutes ago who mistakenly left his weapon in the guest room upon checkout. Yeah, so the agent returned to the property within 30 minutes and was able to retrieve the gun right where he left it on the nightstand. Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. The MOD Report is sponsored by Enospire, where cultures are built through innovation and inspiration. I'm Dr. Giffen, and we'll see you next time.